0: to really confess that the the state of our soul is, that it it is well. God, I pray that's that's true for us this morning. God, if we're in a place of uh, maybe fear, kind of like what we talked about, or just stress, God, help us to remember what, what that verse says in Isaiah, Lord, that you never grow weak or weary or tired. God, that we can lean into you with anything in our lives, Lord, and you're completely sufficient in everything. I thank you, Jesus, for letting us worship you, Father. That let us build, lift your name, Lord. That that is a gift to us. As we look into your word this morning, will you just teach us? We say all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, while you guys are being seated, we are going to offer a chance for our kids. If you're in kindergarten through fifth grade, you can be dismissed right now. Mr. Matt is going to help you guys. Uh, go out. And so, uh, hey, can we give our kids a hand this morning? They worship with us today and uh, they're going to be starting to do that uh, on Sunday mornings in the first service. We're going to have our kids in here. We're trying some new programming things with our children's ministry and So opportunity for us to model what it looks like to worship with our kids in the room. And so we love to get a chance to do that. Uh, But we're glad that they were able to be a part of that this morning. Well, if you have your Bibles today, uh, will you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4? That's what we're going to be looking at today. We can celebrate God's Word together. Uh, It's Labor Day weekend. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this morning, what it means for us to be people who... Uh, who labor on behalf of Christ and what it means to to work within the context of the church? And so Paul has written a letter to Timothy, who Timothy's kind of his protege, a uh, guy that Paul has discipled uh, and has left in charge of a church. And so uh, Timothy is uh, is is kind of planted a church or helped plant a church. And now he's pastoring this church, and so Paul's been writing to him to give him advice and some things to think through as he's pastoring. And so listen to what Paul says in chapter four, starting in verse one. And Paul writes and says, the spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and they order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who also know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the Word of God in prayer. If you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. So have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Now, there are some things that Paul is pointing out here, and the the first thing that he says is that there are people within the church Uh, And there are places, and and maybe, you know, hopefully not, but maybe you've seen this for yourself firsthand, but you've been a part of a church where there was someone who was in leadership, a pastor, a ministry leader, uh, an elder, a deacon, somebody, uh, and they tried to use their platform not for God's glory, not for his good, but for their status. Uh, And so maybe you've kind of been in that situation before where you've seen leadership go wrong. You've seen people who have not acted on God's behalf. They've been just doing things for selfish motives. And so Paul actually starts out this chapter and he says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. And so you can see from the very beginning, Paul's saying there are people in ministry serving in the church that they can't be trusted because they've replaced the doctrines of Scripture with things that are lies, not just any lies. He says demonic lies, that these are things that are from the pit of hell and that they should not exist in God's church. And yet there are people who would stand in pulpits on platforms in different places within church leadership to seek their own glory, their own purposes, to try to turn people astray from the true doctrines of Scripture, the true teachings of Scripture, and get people to chase after things that don't fit in line with God's context. And so Paul's writing to Timothy and warning them, and he says there are some things that are happening specifically in his context to watch out for. Two of them specifically that he says is that they were forbidding people to marry, because that goes contrary to what God's Word is all about. The other thing is, he says, they're ordering people to abstain from certain, amounts or from certain foods. And so you can go back to the book of Acts and see where the apostles came together, because that was a difficult thing. When the Jews and the Gentiles started kind of mixing in the church, and there was this, uh, the gospel was being shared outside of the Jewish world, all of a sudden the Gentiles don't have the same dietary laws as the Jews have. And, and, and so they had to have a council, that, uh, that said, well, what are we going to do about some of these things where the Gentiles believe differently than Jews are, but we're coming together in this kind of melting pot uh, of, uh, of some different things where we don't really know if we're going to be able to get along or not. And so they had to have a council that basically just said, listen, just abstain from things with blood in it. That's basically it. Go and do anything else you want, but try not to do that. Uh, and, and be well. Follow
2: after the heart of God.
1: But there were people who were making it difficult. The the idea was, let's not make it hard for people to get into God's kingdom. Let's not make it difficult for people to get into this fellowship, this this bond of brotherhood and sisterhood that's found in Christ. And so, but he goes, there are people who are still trying to to make it difficult for non-Jewish people to come into the faith. And so, Timothy, you've got to be careful about that. Then you can look in verses 4 through 10, and you can see some things that Paul kind of instructs Timothy on. He says this, For everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the Word of God in prayer. And if you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value But godliness holds value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. So this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. This is why we labor and strive, because we've put our hope in the living God, who's the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. So I want to give you three things quickly this morning to kind of think about from these verses that Paul would instruct Timothy to say we need to be looking at and understanding. The first is this, that we must teach in accordance with Scripture. That for those who minister and labor and serve in the church, that one of the things that we have to do and that we have to guard and protect and that our elders and our staff team strive so much to do is to teach according To scripture that we're not making up things we're not trying to be culturally relevant we believe scripture is culturally relevant on its own that we don't have to twist it to say something that it doesn't say and so we believe that we can stand on the truth of god's word without accepting and embracing the lies of the culture to bring that into the church and yet we can still love people who are outside of the church even when we disagree with what they're saying but we have to stand on the truth of the doctrine of scripture And so Paul would say to Timothy, teach in accordance with scripture. Then the second thing is this, that we must train ourselves to be godly. He says, train yourself. This kind of word training is like uh, an exercise. You've got to work out. You've got to exercise. You've got to train yourself. It's not just going to happen. You don't just stumble into godliness, right? You, You stumble into ruin. You stumble into sin. You don't just stumble into godliness. You don't just wake up one morning and be like, oh man, I'm just as godly as I've ever been before, right? Like that's not how it works. You train yourself to be godly. So what is godliness? Well, godliness is a devotion to God that results in actions that are pleasing to Him. That when we think about our life, that if we're going to be godly individuals, that we're going to be devoted to God in such a way that the manner of our lives is worked out to the external parts of this world in order that we show our our desire to follow after the heart of Christ. That it's a devotion to God that leads us to be obedient to Him. And so we're striving for that. And Timothy says, you train yourselves to be godly. And he gives them a great thing. He says, for physical training is of some value, like that's great. Exercising is of some value. It's going to help you stay healthy longer. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to give you endurance, whatever. And so you've got great things that come from physical training. But godliness has value for all things, both in this life, and then Paul says, and in the life to come. Like there's a benefit here that's eternal in nature. That if you train yourself to be godly, if you strive toward godliness, this has benefit in this world, that your obedience to Christ and the way that you live out your faith in Christ has benefit right here, right now. But it also has benefit in the life to come. And so Paul says, train yourself in that way. Because physical training has some value, but godliness has value in all things. And then here's the third thing. We must labor and strive because of our hope in the living God. And so he tells us there, this is a trustworthy saying, it deserves full acceptance. This is why we labor and strive, because we put our hope in the living God. And so when we see Paul and he says, why do we work so hard? Why, as a minister of the gospel, do we labor so intently, strive so much, work so hard, pour all of our energy and effort into the church? Why? And he says, because this is where we found hope. Our hope is in the living God. And if our hope is in him, then we're going to work on his behalf. And we're going to strive on his behalf. That we're going to uh, follow him in obedience. That we're going to do the things that he calls us to do and asks us to do. And so this morning what I want us to do is is take a few minutes to look at the next chapter uh, in in 1 Timothy in chapter 5 verse 17 and 18. Because Paul's writing to Timothy as one pastor to another. He's given him instructions on how to live out his faith in this church role uh, and how to shepherd the people of of God's church. And so this letter is all about, man, how do you shepherd God's people well? How do, you, uh, how do you teach them to be godly? Not just how do you be godly, Timothy, but how do you teach others to be godly? And so this is something that Paul is writing to him. And so skip over to chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. And I want you to see these two verses quickly with me. He says this, uh, starting verse 17, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work, whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out grain, and the worker deserves his wages. And so Paul's basically instructing Timothy and saying, listen, when it comes to the work, those who serve in the church, those who bless the church uh, through their leadership role as pastors, as those especially who teach and who preach, then those people are worthy, if they're doing a good job, they're worthy of double honor. And so he's telling us some things here. The word elders, number one, the word elders here is... Uh, understood in a broad sense of leadership, right? The the, the term is not like what we would consider um, in our role of elder in our church. We have a specific role of elder in our church, and that's a biblical role, that the role of elder would be those who are the pastors, the teachers within the church. We have elders who are lay elders in our church. We also have staff elders in our church. But what Paul's writing to Timothy about here when he says elders, he's talking in a broader context as those who are leaders in the church. And so he says those who are leaders, they might be volunteer leaders, they might be lay leaders. But he says these guys are, if they are worthy of double honor, if they're doing what they're called to do under the authority of Christ. And so Paul says those who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who are preaching and teaching. So showing double honor as he's talking about here. In the context of what he's saying, you can find it again earlier in the chapter when he goes back and he's talking about how we recognize how we help uh, elders or widows and orphans. But showing double honor is speaking of financial support according to the leader's role and their usefulness to the church in that role. And so Paul's basically saying if you've got someone who's serving in the church well and they're the pastor, they're the teacher, they're the leaders, then those guys, if they're doing a good job, they're worthy of double honor. You should treat them well. You should take care of them. And so there are a lot of people who might say, man, you know what? I just kind of struggle with why why do we pay staff or why do we pay different people? Shouldn't we use all of our money to help serve other people outside of the church? And Paul would say, no. Paul actually looks at this and says, there is a double honor that's worthy to be given to those who serve and minister well. Now, I have to tell you, that's an awkward thing for me to stand in front of you to say today, uh, to be like, if I'm doing a good job, pay me more, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. But here's what I want you to get in the context that I want you to understand, because I do want to lift up and evaluate some of our leaders in our church, because today we have a great opportunity to say some things. Number one, let me say this. Thank you. Thank you, Grace Fellowship Church, for the way that you do treat our church staff and the way that you honor us and the things that you do to give to the ministry of this church and how your resources go to help make sure that we're taken care of. We are very grateful, and we feel doubly honored by you. Uh, as I've talked to the staff this week and been talking about this passage, I've been so encouraged to hear that they feel like that you guys take good care of us, and we're grateful for that. Thank you so much for the way that you make sure that our families are provided for. This is what God has called us to. This is the vocation that he's called us to. And for us to be able to do this and give all of our energy and effort to this is only possible because you're so generous to us, and we are grateful for that. And I just want to say this morning on behalf of our staff, thank you. Thank you for the way that you take care of our team. We're grateful for that. The second thing that I want to do, uh, it's Labor Day weekend, so we want to make sure that we honor those who do... Uh, serve on our behalf. There are a lot of roles here in the church where people have an opportunity to labor for us and with us. And we are both laborers and co-laborers with Christ. And so I want to take some time today just to say thank you to some people who serve and who labor on our behalf. Uh, Number one, we want to recognize a couple of our elders. Um, Our newest elders, Scotty Dancy and Mark Treese, just completed their first year of being on our elder team. And those guys do a phenomenal job. They are lay elders. They're not paid elders. They're, um, they're, they do this voluntarily. They feel a call by God on their heart and they've embraced the way that you guys have asked them to serve in our church. They are decision makers. They are prayer warriors. They are people who give Uh, biblical support to the things that we're making decisions about. And these guys do an incredible job of leading in our church. And so this morning, I don't think Mark or Scotty are in this service. They'll be in the next one. But I do want to just say thank you to them. So if we could, maybe they'll catch it online or something. But if you guys wouldn't mind, let's just say thank you to those guys. They put in tons of time. Uh, you, You have no idea the amount of hours behind the scenes that our elders give to the leadership of this church. It's incredible. Uh, and I'm blessed by the way that they lead. These guys, man, they think about church more than I do sometimes. Sometimes they're texting me and I'm like, man, I'm just home with my family. Can we not talk about church right now? And they're like, man, I'm excited about what's going It's just great. They love this church. And we are so blessed to have incredible elders. Uh, and so we need to say thank you to them. Um, the other thing that I want to do this morning, the next thing that I want to do this morning is uh, recognize some of our staff team. Uh, in the last month, we have introduced you to the idea that we've brought on some new staff, but you haven't really had a chance to get to know them or hear from them that much. And so today I'm going to give an opportunity for you guys not just to, to see Kyle on stage or to know that we've hired Nathan as our our student pastor. But I'm going to invite those guys to come and join me on stage. And uh, we're just going to take a few minutes today uh, to, to hear from them. I want you guys to get to know them a little bit better. It's Labor Day. They labor for you. And so let's get to know these guys. So Kyle, you got come on up. Nathan, come on up. Uh, you guys can welcome them up to the stage. <laughs> stool for you. Nathan, you want to grab that stool over there, man? And here's a microphone for you. Is this on? Good. Fantastic. There you go, buddy. Just anywhere right here, man, just wherever. You and your peak pants can sit wherever you want to. Yeah, right there in front. It's good. Are they... They're salmon. They're salmon. Sure they are. That's what cool kids wear. You, keep, you just keep telling cool. yourself that, man. All right, man, well, it's good to see you guys. I kind of feel like you're a long way Well, Well, I'm way. blocked. Okay, that's all right. I could have sat on that. Do you want to? Are you going to sit there and play? Nope. No. Nope. Okay, sure not. You're good. All right, fantastic. Do you sing?
3: Uh <laughs> No. That's your question. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. You sing? A little bit. A little bit. Pretty good at it. He's man. all right. We're, we're like, He's okay. Here. So awesome. Well, we just want to take a chance to get to know you guys a little bit. We've, we've kind of announced to the church, hey, here's our new youth pastor. Here's our, our new worship pastor. Um, but we haven't given you guys much of an opportunity just to say, man, here's who these guys are. Uh, and so we wanted to take a few minutes this morning and just let you um, tell about yourself a little bit. And so let's start out with an easy question. This is one. Do you have a mic? Why don't you grab one right there? There you go. Is that on? Check, check. Good. All right, good. Um, so why don't we start with an easy question? Go for it. If you could go we'll start with you. Yeah. Uh, if you could, because you're wearing pink pants. Right. so right. There's feel salmon. Like we but need to lay this you know, first, right? Whatever. So, all right. Um, salmon. <laughs> um, so,
3: man, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Anywhere anywhere in the world. Um, I can go anywhere in the world. Gosh, there's a lot of places I'd like to go. I, I used to say I used to say I wanted to go to Africa, like the African savanna. But I used to say I wanted to do that for my honeymoon. Which is the older I get, the realize like <laughs> camping in the middle of the African savanna would be a, not a good idea for that. Um, but um, so so you're saying there's a reason you might still be single? Yeah, <laughs> but I have salmon pants. Right. So that's cool. Okay. That's what cool people do. Um, I I don't know. My, okay, my dream is to scuba dive in the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, wow. That would be very cool. I never scuba dive, dove, dives before. Okay. But I think it'd be cool. <laughs> right. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Hey, there's a weird. Do y'all hear that, like? I don't know if this thing is still on. or Check, what. check. Okay, I think that's better now. Great. Um, how about you, man? If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why would you want to go there?
0: Um well, you know, I'm not super adventurous. Actually, my parents never let me out of Arkansas, so that's my first really? per- no, I'm joking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> first time out of the state. Yeah, no, I'm joking. Uh, you, had, you had to move away from
0: Yeah, the I area. had to move. Actually, I had to move <laughs> to get out of the state now. Uh, I don't know. I, I would love to see, like, ancient Rome. I just think that, like, that culture is kind of uh, either that or uh, Japan, mostly because I love sushi and I actually want to eat real sushi right. because sushi here is, like, Right. catfish, or something right. like that. <laughs> but, uh, no, I would love Japan. I just think that culture is really cool, too, so. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Have you ever been close, like, traveled internationally?
0: Mm, I have some Asian friends. That's about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, that might have been good. man.
1: Maybe they'll invite you over and make some sushi for you. <laughs> you sure. so. Well, you just mentioned Arkansas. Where, where are you from originally? In, oh, yeah. In,
0: yeah, so I, I was born in Houston, but uh, my wife, Micah, and our uh, little baby, Annalise, she's in the nursery right now, um, we are uh, we moved from Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is the central part of the state, and um, Micah may not want to share this, but she's from like the smaller part of Arkansas, which is called Mina, which is, if you think Arkansas is hick, you don't even know what, you know, if you think Hot Springs is hick, Mina is like where, where it's at with the hick stuff, so, but anyways, yeah, we're, uh, we're from Arkansas, and uh, yeah.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here. Thank welcome you. welcome to Tennessee.
0: I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Thanks,
1: man. So how about you? Where where are you from? <laughs> I'm from here. You're from here. Yeah. You're a, a Kingston. Um, go Kingsport. Right. I, was born, I was born seven in. people were excited about that. That's right. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs>
3: um I was uh I was born here, Indian Path hospital, room three oh four. I don't know. <laughs> Some room in there. Yeah, it would be um, awkward if you really were like, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I was you, born you, here. You I grew up here. people on tours to go see where you were born. I, I actually got lost last time I was there. I, felt, I was like, yeah, I should remember this place better, but I guess not. <laughs> um, I uh, How do you get lost at Indian Bath? There's like, it's, it's it's so little, but I got lost. I From here, I graduated. I went to city schools. I was in Mr. Smith's science class. That was something. I got, I got Wait an eight, a name, I think. Wait, who? I think I got an A. You were yeah. in
1: Jeremy's science class? I was. He
3: was phenomenal. He's the greatest teacher of all time, y'all. <laughs> Amazing. That's Gave me awesome. an A, Man. so that I would all say right. that later.
0: That gives us some more things <laughs> to talk about, Mr. Smith, get together
3: next time. It's good. Um, so I grew up here. I went to college at Indiana Wesleyan University, so I moved to the Midwest for college. It was really cold. The food was weird, and people talked funny, so I moved back here, <laughs> and um, I've been here ever since. What was your degree in at Indiana mm. Math education. I am a math... Well, I was a math teacher. I taught at North for... This is weird. I taught at North for five years, and I, my last day at North was Friday, actually. Um, neato. I got a new job at uh, Woodridge Mental Hospital. It's really fun. People are like, where are you going? And I get to tell them, I'm going to Woodridge. Y'all put me in the mental hospital. <laughs> And, uh, but fresh, I'm going there. Five years of freshman. Five years year of actually. freshman will do that to you, Mr. Smith knows. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so, um, so yeah, I did. I am going starting on Tuesday. I'm going to be the educational coordinator at um, Woodridge, which is kind of
0: cool. That is cool, and
1: it's a it's a neat opportunity too because you, as you and I have talked, you've always seen what you do outside of the church as ministry as much yes. as what you do here with students. But um, but what you're going to Woodridge to do is a cool thing because of your your continuing education. You're working on your master's degree right now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting my, I'm working on my master's degree in counseling right now. So I'm getting that through Liberty online. Um, I've got a paper due tonight that I haven't started yet. So I'll be doing that later. I was going to write it last night, but you know, I had to watch football, just had to, just couldn't, couldn't not watch football. And, um, and so I'm hoping to end up going through the counseling route. So this is a really cool in between, um, for my education piece, but as well as like the mental health, it's like a perfect kind of Step towards that, so I'm excited about it.
0: Awesome, yeah? mm-hmm. that's
1: good. Well, let's uh, s- switch back over here to you because he's been talking for a while now. So uh, good at it, <laughs> and I have a feeling that if if we just
3: let him, he would keep talking for a oh, while. So I, yeah, talking microphones is one of my favorite things. So fun.
1: He told me, he said, am I going to get one of the Britney Spears microphones like you wear? And I said, no, NSYNC, you're not going to get You mics. said Britney Spears. Oh, uh, well. So um, gotta
3: make me sound cooler, man. Come on. <laughs> I don't, I don't even, think, I
1: don't even think that, you know, NSYNC
0: makes you that much cooler. Um,
1: but man, tell, give us a little snapshot, Kyle, about your spiritual journey, your faith walk and what God's done in your heart and your life and just kinda of sure. tell us a little bit about about who you you are as a as a follower of Christ.
0: Uh yeah, so I accepted Jesus when I was when I was nine and I, I grew up in a, a pretty traditional Baptist church and so uh if any of you are from that background like you kinda of are familiar with like the sinner's prayer and things like that. And so kinda of that that was kinda of like how I came to know Jesus at a student camp and um but I very much remember like that actually being a very uh, real experience for me. Like said, the prayer, but it was more than a prayer. And so, you know, at nine years old, that was kind of the decision I made. And uh, I think like along the way, there's some definitely some like big points in my life that kind of changed the way that I view my faith. But uh, um, I went to a, a private school for years and uh, actually was a pretty terrible kid. I was in the office a lot. <laughs> and uh, and it, when I moved to a uh, public school in ninth grade, that was a big, turning point in my faith because um for the first time like I wasn't like necessarily just the only bad kid like there was kids coming to school like drunk and high and all this stuff and I was like wow this is like what it means to like live in a culture that is like not just very culture you know like like a lot of kids that were I don't know didn't really see a whole lot of you know bad stuff and so like I, I just felt very cramped in that environment but like it it helped me actually say, okay, like what kind of person am I, I going to be and what kind of life do I want to lead? And so that was a huge part in, in my faith journey. And um, uh, another huge part for me, and I, I said this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but I dealt with addiction for years of my life and um, really coming to the point where I realized that I had an issue and then like working from that and dealing with that problem. And, uh, and then also like having that issue but also like having a heart for leading worship was – uh, you know those things don't go hand in hand. You know, and so um, knowing how to how to um, to see where I'm at, but also see myself through the lens of Christ, is very difficult. And um, so it's taken me years. I mean, to to not only like understand that, and and we never we never, I think I don't think we ever fully can see ourselves through the lens of Christ. Only Jesus can do that, which thank God that He does. But um, but still, like going seeing myself through the lens of Christ and then also um, having sobriety from those things, but also uh, just living with, with the fact that every day I have to ask myself, like, do you want to be well today? Kind of like Jesus asked the the paralytic in the gospel. And so um, those are huge, huge points in my life. And then, uh, you know, God rescued me from a wild of addiction. And then I uh, was able to meet my wife, and um, we both went through um, a lot of um, – just kind of rough stuff. Our dating life was really, really kind of crazy and rocky. And um, but like a lot of that hardship allowed like some some great relationship now. And um, and my wife is such a huge support system for me. And um, and then now I'm here, you know. And like um, a huge thing like to, to be in a church that's called Grace is just a cool thing to think about. Uh, because um, I mean, we all need grace, but that that word that has has really Changed a lot in in my vocabulary. You know, when I when I dealt with so much of that junk, like I kind of had to rethink what I what I really believe as my walk with Jesus and like just some of those foundational things. Like, what is grace? What is mercy? and So like, a lot of those things have radically changed in my life and the way that I respond to God. You know, rather than like I used to always feel so like, man, I'm, I'm a sinner and I because I'm a sinner, like I don't need to come near to Jesus until like I've read my Bible five times a week and all this. You know, like. Like, no, Kyle, like grace, grace is with you, you know, and, uh, just come near to God and he'll come near to you. And so, um, some of the points in my life that have, um, kind of led me to where I am today.
1: I mean, you and I got to, to serve together and, uh, in hot springs at Crossgate Church yeah. and, and got to do some youth ministry stuff together and just walking through some of those things yeah. uh, with one another, did premarital counseling with you mm-hmm. guys and, uh, to know just what God's done in your heart and who he's called you to be and crafted you to be. But, that component of grace, you and I get to talk about quite a lot. And uh, that component of grace, I think, is something that, that probably a lot of people here even struggle with. And so that's a huge testimony to be able to say. And It's not about us cleaning ourselves up and making ourselves better. It, it's really about understanding who God is and that He makes us better through Christ. Uh, and so I, I love... I love how you share that and talk about that because there are so many people. We all need to hear that message. I mean, we need to preach that to ourselves every day. The truth of the gospel and the power of the gospel is we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. We need to be reminded daily that God's grace and His mercy and His compassion is for us. Uh, And and because we are sinners and because we stumble back into sin, uh, it's also why we need accountability and help and, and why we need people in our lives who are asking us tough questions and why we sit in circles and make such a big deal about that. Uh, at this church is because we feel like that's where where we grow and where we're encouraged and where we're challenged and where we find accountability. And so, uh, so man, thanks so much for sharing that. I appreciate it. So how about you, man? What's kind of a snapshot of your faith journey
3: and what God's done in your heart? Um, so I grew up here. My, my dad is, he's like famous around here. He is, um, the children's minister at West London Hills Baptist has, we've been there or my family's been there for about almost 20 years. I think this is his 20th year there. And so I grew up staff kid in the church. Um, all that's, that's all that I knew. I was blessed with um, wonderful family, wonderful church family, et cetera, et cetera. And so I came to know the Lord early, and um, and had had a really good relationship with the Lord up through um, high school. And uh, my dream was always to be an international missionary. Uh, that was always my plan since I was in like middle school. I wanted to go to Moody Bible Institute, which is in Chicago, and train to be um, an overseas missionary. And I was actually going up to visit Moody my junior year of high school, ironically, and um, I was sitting and having dinner with a, a good friend and mentor of mine who was there, who's now a missionary in Israel. And I just remember he told me something that I had heard my whole life, but um, for whatever reason, it just clicked. And he was like, you know, if you're called to international missions, that's awesome. Um, but we need missionaries here. You don't have to go overseas. You don't have to train specifically to be a missionary, to to preach the gospel. Um, and for whatever reason, it just clicked. And that's where the teaching thing came from. And we kind of um, mentioned this earlier. I've always viewed teaching as not a job, but like my ministry and my chance to be a missionary at Sullivan North. And that's kind of the mindset that I've been playing with over the last, um, I guess, eight, nine years. uh, The fact that everything that we do is for the Lord. And um, when we came to know him and we came to sacrifice our lives for him, like he made all things new in our lives. And every bit of us should be committed to him. Um, it's It's not compartmentalized. It's not just for staff people. It's not just for missionaries. For all of us and everything that we do, and so that's been a huge part of of what I've been growing through in the last in the last little bit. Um, a little over a little over a year ago, um, I finally kind of hit that test and um, had some crazy things go down. Didn't handle it well, um, and uh, I ended up being um, being diagnosed with uh, a severe anxiety driven depression, and um, had to go see a doctor, a therapist, all this stuff. And um, I'm actually, I'm still on still on pretty heavy dosages of medication for it now i'm I'm working towards healing but it was during that time that my faith is really tested and the spiritual aspect of going through um mental illness is is major and so just those questions of like god like for my whole life like you've been right there and i feel like i've had a clear picture of you and now for the first time in my life like that's being tested and i'm not sure where you are and i'm not sure uh, that i like the way that you're doing things right now and um, so I went through a period of time, um, a couple months, where I was running from God. I was done. I remember telling them, I was like, I'm done with this. And, and all the leadership positions I was in in the church stepped back from. In fact, I, I got out of the church altogether. Um, I was done. And um, I was telling some of our elders the other day, I, I, feel, like, I feel like it was in that time that, that God almost had me in chains. It was where I was trying to run, but he had me chained to him. And he was like, I knew that I couldn't. There was something deep down inside that was like as hard as, like as bad as I want to run away from God. Like I know that I can't. I just know I can't. Um, and he just had me locked down and, um, eventually, um, I was able to kind of come back into it. I went through a time of repentance and, um, and the Lord kind of pulled me back in and it was just a really special time for me, um, to be able to look back on and see that like, even in my, even in my valley, which we all have our own valleys and even through my valley, like the Lord was still, he was still there and he was still faithful. And, um, it doesn't mean we're going to like it all the time. Um, it doesn't mean like you see healing immediately, like you want um, but he's still there. And so, um, that was a huge kind of spiritual moment for me to just kind of get to that deeper level of knowledge of the Lord. And for those of you who have probably been there before, like, you know, like the Lord it it's so, he, he shines so much, so much brighter, um, in the dark. And, and, um, so that was just a really cool eye-opener or eye-opening moment. And it's, it continues to be an eye-opening thing for me, just how good God is. So,
2: Oh, that's yeah,
1: incredible. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I, did anybody else was was anybody else thinking if this is you on medication? Like I would yeah. wonder what you'd be like <laughs> off of medication. <coughs> so, um, <laughs> different kind of thing. <laughs> so well, here, here's what I love, and, and you know, I don't know most of your backgrounds are some different things, but maybe some of you are sitting here today and going, "Oh my, there are people on the stage who have major problems." And I thought yes. that I thought professional yes. Christians were supposed to have it all together. <laughs> Uh, I was having a conversation with somebody not too long ago and just they were opening up with me about some of their stuff and I opened up and shared some of mine. And uh, and he went, gosh, I, you're a pastor. I didn't think you had any problems. And I went, man, I'm just as screwed up as anybody else. My problems may be different than yours, but I'm a mess. And I love that we can talk about things openly and share because you need to understand and know that that we're no different than, than anybody else in this room. We are sinners saved by the grace of God And we stand on his authority every day, but we're in need of his help moment by moment all the time. Uh, And so it's so important. That's why we we ask all the time for you to be praying for us because we're we're screwed up people. We are a mess. And so we need help. We need your prayers. Um, Because outside of God's grace, we would drive this ship into the ground, right? And uh, that's why I love that it's not about us. It's all about God. He said, I will build my church. You're going to do things the wrong way, but I'm going to keep working to build. And so we're we're putting ourselves under
0: God's authority. So,
1: um, Well, let's do this. Uh, let me ask one more just question. This can be kind of a fun one. Thank you guys so much for being yeah. honest and sharing some things that God's done in your life. But um, when when you think about maybe somebody would invite you to lunch or go get coffee or whatever, if you sat down face-to-face with some people in this room, um, what would they be surprised to learn about you or to find out about you? Do you have any, like you don't have to give us your you know skeletons in the closet, but if you had something that you'd just be like, man, I don't know. Like sock puppets or whatever. Like I don't know what it is that
3: you. I think they'd just be blown away with how cool I am. Honestly. Right. Okay. <laughs> like, what? Like you're you're so much cooler than Kyle. That's right. probably what they were thinking.
1: Right. That's and, my answer. And far more humble. Yeah. Yeah. I have this
3: I have this kind of weird
0: thing that I do with popcorn bags, uh, which you are probably. Popcorn like. bags. Yeah. Um, every time I pour out, I, I, my, my wife's probably laughing. Every time I pour the popcorn, you know, into the bowl, right. I, I just can't resist that greasy, salty, buttery Stop. bag that's just... And so when uh, no, every, no. when no one's looking, I'll tear that bag and I will literally lick the bag that's clean. That's disgusting. <laughs> and, uh, and what's worse about it is all... A lot of times after I'm you know, getting ready to go to bed, I'm winding down with a couple episodes of the office. I'll leave it on the floor, and the next morning, Micah will like accidentally step on it and oh. stick to her foot. <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, anyways, I'm pretty I'm gross about it. Like yeah. My <laughs> point has been proven. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm not real sure what <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> I'm not sure it's worse that you admitted that or that everybody clapped when you did it. It's like, yeah, we do the same thing. I am not alone, right? So – we have a weird, weird church.
0: That's, what, that's uh, how we should feel. We're not alone here. Right, no exactly,
1: exactly. Awesome. Man, thanks so much, guys. Well, we're, we're so excited that you guys are here. And uh, hiring a couple of millennials to our staff team was really exciting, Amen. too. We're going yeah. to <laughs> change things around Kingsport, right? Um, so, man, but we're excited that you guys are here. Thank you for your heart. Uh, so you guys can have a seat. We appreciate you sharing this morning. Um, thank you guys so much wanted you to have a chance to uh, just to connect with them and get to know them a little bit. And what I want to do now, um, hey, that's okay. We'll, we'll set it right there. Uh, I'm going to ask Andy Malcolm to come and join me too. Andy is one of our staff team. He's also an elder. Uh, we have a couple of us that serve as staff elders. Uh, and so here's what, what Andy's going to do though. Andy has just celebrated, August 1st was his one year on staff with us at the church and we had a chance. Yeah, I mean, that's good. Um, But man, thank you. We're so grateful for what you do. And you guys don't know this, but this guy makes things so smooth around here. Uh, I would be up to my neck in things if it wasn't for him. And so, man, I'm grateful for you. But I wanted to give you a chance just to share what God's done here in the last year, in your opinion, and then you've got something else you want to do toward the end. So, uh, so man, thanks so much for being here and sharing with us this morning.
4: Well, uh, I love serving here at Grace Fellowship Church. It's been a privilege and a joy to work with Joel and the other staff and and to start to adjust to millennials being on our staff as well. Uh, It's been an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, So when he asked me to to share a little bit, uh, a little bit about my story and what the last year of life has been like for me, um, I started going back. And uh, the story of how I got here really began um, back at, at the end of college. Because from college to this point, in five-year increments, I could never have guessed that I would have been where I was at that point. Does that make sense? Every five years, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. For 15 years, I worked in the school system. For another 10 years, I worked for a mentoring organization, nonprofit in Johnson City before I came here. And I just I never could have imagined that step-by-step that God was taking me somewhere. And then in 2012... Uh, I was being discipled by somebody and was kind of sharing that with, with him. And I was challenged that as cool as that kind of is to just kind of take it year by year and then you, you all of a sudden kind of see you're in this next step and how neat it is of what God has done, that, that maybe God has a plan all along and and I can start to be a part of that plan ahead of time. He's preparing you for something. And... At the same time, I ran across this verse from, from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21 that says that you will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. And that really spoke to me. And, and since 2012, I've kind of had more of a forward thinking, a way of looking at life and wondering, okay, what is God preparing me for now? And... Uh, The greatest part of my job over the last year has been knowing so many of your stories out here in the audience. And that's my favorite part is I can see and watch God sanctifying you and using you and preparing you for your next step as well. And I've watched so many of those stories take place over the last year. And uh, that's my favorite part of being here is just getting to watch what god does in your life and i asked yvonne fuchs to come up if she would be willing to kind of share her story because uh what has happened in yvonne's life over the last couple of years uh just fits right in with that uh, if she can make her way through the maze of chairs to come up here uh and i, I just want you to hear what yvonne uh has happened in her life Is this other one ready sure i need that see right here if you want to. Uh uh so Yvonne shared a little bit at our appreciation lunch back in, in April. Uh but there are a lot of you weren't able to be there then and so things have happened even since then in her life, uh, that uh it's amazing to see what God has done. I wanted to share a little bit of that with you. So Yvonne, first of all, just take us back. Uh you've been here for two to three years now, and just take us back to what what was going on, what life was like when you first started coming here to Grace.
2: Uh, we had Jorge and I are from totally different backgrounds religiously, and it was hard bringing a Catholic and a free will Baptist girl together. <laughs> and and finally, God can do anything. This is true. <laughs> but to find a church that you're comfortable in, and then you throw some kids into the mix, and it's like, oh wow, you know, what are we going to do? And I'm telling you, coming to a church the first time is intimidating. If you guys don't know it, and you've never had to deal with it, it is scary. You don't know what. The layout of the churches, or where you're going to go, or when you walk in, if somebody's going to be yes, I'm here, but only because my spouse made me, or if they're genuinely happy to be there, and they don't judge you by the clothes you wear. I love the salmon pants, <laughs> <laughs> salmon, and and you, you you're just scared, but yet you know that you need to do that. And we had been going to a church that we just weren't committed to, I guess, because we didn't feel like. It was for us. It wasn't our home church. So we, um, we said, okay, Saturday night, we are going to figure out where we're going to church. And we went to that wonderful listing called Google and said, church closest to me. And it brought up Grace Fellowship, and I had never heard of it. And I lived just over the hill. And it's like, you know, what do you think? I read every single word on the website. Oh, but, you know, what is what, is this, what will this do for us? Not looking at what can I do for them. What mm-hmm. What will this do for us? And we walked in, and I can just say I felt warm. I felt welcomed. People were there guiding us, telling us where to go. Didn't judge us because I had on a dress and we had on a tie, and everybody else had on shorts and (laughs) flip-flops. It was perfect. I remember
4: that tie you had on.
2: (laughs) And haven't seen it since, guys. Uh, But we just felt so welcomed and we sat on the front seat because we didn't want to take somebody's seat. You know, cause, you know, some churches that's really bad. You get somebody's seat, you're in trouble. So we sat on the front seat because we know most people don't sit there. And um, Joel was preaching the rise uh, sermons and he said something. You all know you do this and Matthew poked Jorge and Joel's like, I saw that. So Matthew was immediately kind of part of, okay, mm-hmm. this this is a fun place to be. And when we left, we were just We just felt like, okay, this is home, and we've never stopped coming back. We love it. And and you don't know how important it is if you see someone that does look like they're lost or they're not sure what's next. Just stop and say, hey, welcome. What can I do for you? It it makes the world a difference.
4: That's great. And then a short time later, within a few months, you all had become a part of a life group. And, And what was that? experience life for you.
2: you. We had never dealt with uh, community groups, life groups. We just knew nothing about them. But that's what this church did, and we were happy here, so that's what we said. Okay, let's find the life group that we are part of. And we found Jorge said it's not old group, but (laughs) it's the group that we were, you know, where our stage of life was. We were going to have grandkids, and, and we met some of the most wonderful people. And I'm telling you, you think you can do this by yourself? You can't. You have to have other people to encourage you and to share your problems and to share your joy. And from that group and from the women's ministry, I have found five of the best friends, best prayer warriors, biggest support system I, I have ever had in my life. And we are living life every day. I'm telling them, hey, this is what's going on with me. And they're telling me, this is what's going on with me. And we just do it together, and we are so close. And when we walk in the door now, it's not we come in and we take a seat and we're here for an hour and we go home. We come in and we're like, what happened to you this week? How did this turn out? Because you connect, and those connections are so important. And you, you may think you can do it by yourself, but you can't.
4: So God takes you to a new church. He has you join a life group that you've never done before. And then also in the last little bit, you've you've become part of uh, one of the leaders of one of the, our teams here. Tell us tell us what what God has done with you through that.
2: The women's ministry is amazing here, and if you're not part of it, you need to get involved, Gal, because those women are great. Christine and Robin, they probably don't realize how much mentors they were to me because they were so encouraging and. I'm in my 50s, and I was saved when I was nine, and I was handed the King James Version Bible and said, figure out yourself, and went to sermons that were, you need to be saved, you need to be saved, not what to do after you got saved. So for a long time, I lived my life not really knowing what it was like. But those two gals showed me what it was like to have God's love just oozing out of your personality. They made a huge difference in my life, and they brought a lot out of me and, and, and made me realize that, yes, I, I can I can do this, and I can grow up, and I need to grow up.
4: <laughs> well, uh, beyond that, uh, even now that you're part of a, a leadership team, we put all of our, our leaders and our life group leaders through an experience at the beginning of each year. And you went through that experience just a few weeks ago, and y- you came out at the end of that saying that, that something had changed in you. And tell us a little bit about what you think God did in your heart and is preparing you for?
2: Uh, Yeah, um, I don't consider myself a leader, and I I don't consider myself someone that you should follow, but um, uh, I have been very blessed with being part of the leadership of the the women's ministry, and we're getting ready to start a new new, uh, Bible study, and I'm going to be part of that, and that's very important too, ladies, you need that too, and men, you need to be in the men's Bible studies. but fell in love with this church, was happy here, and then Joel started preaching about this disciple-making stuff, and I'm thinking, I can't do that. Oh, man, am I going to have to find another church? I can't do that. <laughs> Maybe this will just be something passing, and he'll go on, and he'll he'll find something else to get on, and that'll be his next soapbox. But no, he just kept bringing it up and bringing it uh-huh. up. And I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then Andy handed me this little card and said, hey, you need to, to try to come to this, and uh, you know, we're we're just going to try to build you up a little bit as a leader, let you know what's going on in the church. I had no idea what to expect. Um, spent a weekend here, and it totally transformed me because I think I went from being, there's that circle where you're dead and you're reborn and you're an infant and you're a child and you're a young adult and then you're a parent. I went from being a child to a parent that weekend.
3: Mm.
2: Not only can I do it, I have been called to do it. And everybody here, I there's nothing special about me. It's not me that's doing it. The only thing I am supposed to do is tell people this is what is true and this is what is good and this is what you should look at. And then the Holy Spirit takes care of it so I can be a disciple. So mm-hmm. I can stay. I'm excited. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, it's been a total transformation for me. Not only have I noticed it, um did you need to think, change happens just to you but my dad he noticed it Mm. and my dad is a great man of God and he Mm. has he is in my opinion of saying he is a Mm. great man but when he can look at you and say I don't have to worry about you I know that I'm going to see you Mm. and oh wow my dad saw the change Mm. and then the people I work with they've seen the change Mm. and they act differently around me and at first it was a little scary because they were acting different. But now it's a good thing because I know now I've got an open door at any point in time. They have a question. I know where they're coming. And I know what I'm going to feel their earful of. That's I great. like it all.
4: Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll give her Yvonne a hand. Thank you for sharing with, with us this morning. Well, you heard Yvonne's story. Everybody in this room has a story. God wants to sanctify you. He wants to use you for his purposes and for his glory. And he's preparing you for a work. Maybe like Yvonne, because you've maybe never been discipled or never discipled somebody else. And now you feel like she does, that that maybe God's preparing you for that in your future. I don't know. But let's just join together in prayer, uh, because God's not done with us yet. Dear Lord, we're just so thankful for the work that you're doing in our lives. We're thankful for the work you're doing here at Grace Fellowship Church through just normal people who, first of all, recognize their brokenness before you. We're thankful for the gospel that says that Jesus came to save and to sanctify and prepare us to be used for you and your kingdom, for your honor and glory. Lord, help us just to follow you. It's as simple as that. Help us to trust and follow you. in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Just think that we've got